wanted to start this podcast to share hunting stories of my experiences and what I've done over the years. There's so much more that is involved in hunting than just pulling the trigger and killing an animal. We want to be inspirational, educational, but we also want to have a good time and teach you how to have a good time as well. Today's episode, I have Abe Turner. I had put a post out about wanting to find local waterfowl hunters. Abe was able to oblige. I used to focus on stacking that big pile. Now it's more the goal of bringing new hunters in. When you talk about ducks coming in, right, it's legal shooting light, and you can hear them quacking above you, and you hear the wings, and they just, they're cupped up right in the decoy spread. Or you hear that, that new guy gets out on a good goose hunt, and he can hear the, you know, the geese, like the wings just flapping above them as they're getting ready to land. It's culminating all those memories into one. You look at gear starting out waterfowl hunting, right? Let's cover the basics. You probably want to get a set of waders out because you are chasing waterfowl, so you're going to find the water at some point. And in a reliable gun. If you got a decent gun with some waders, in theory, you can go out and shoot some ducks. Welcome to Hunting Day with Stephen Robbins. Now for your host, Stephen Robbins. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Hunting Day. And on today's episode, I have a very unique guest by the name of Abe Turner. Me and Abe met through social media. And uh, actually, Abe grew up about probably three miles yeah not even from uh my house here in stanley virginia and uh abe actually went to school with uh my younger cousin and my younger brother and uh we uh we had the very fortunate uh opportunity to meet through social media i had put a post out about wanting to find some uh local uh waterfowl hunters to come on the podcast and Abe was able to uh oblige. Uh, we had a little scheduling conflict in, in the beginning, but we we made this work and I uh, appreciate you coming down to uh visit with us. I appreciate you having me, man. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So just from uh talking with Abe and looking through social media and uh you know having some conversations with him ahead of this, I learned real quick that he knew what he was talking about and uh so uh Abe I appreciate you being on and uh, would really love for you to tell people where you're at currently and uh, also, you know, your background as far as waterfowl hunting. So I'm currently located in Halifax County, Virginia. Um, I grew up in the Shenandoah Valley, like you said, three minutes apart from our where we grew up. Uh, bulk of my childhood was, you know, coming up deer hunting. Um, when I got, got into college, I had some buddies that duck hunted. And I really fell into that addiction. Um, so I started duck hunting a good bit there towards the, the end of college. And then about that, you know, two or three years into it, I wanted a retriever. So I got my own retriever, self-trained that. From there, you know, word of mouth got out, started training some buddies' dogs, for, you know, free. Or they give me a box of shells in return or something like that. And that kind of transformed me into getting more reps with dogs and then easing into more gun dog training now as I get on to the back end of 30 years old or front end of 30 years old. Okay, good deal. So you uh, didn't really start waterfowl hunting until college. And you said two years into waterfowl hunting, you decided you wanted your own retriever. And uh, I think that's pretty unique um, in how you went about doing that as far as a lot of people that I know that our waterfowl hunters, they grew up doing it just like they grew up doing deer hunting, grew up turkey hunting. And um, I think that not growing up doing it and as an adult trying something new, 
I don't want to say it means more to you, but it's something that you've ultimately self-taught. So it, in a sense, it probably does mean more to you than just something that you did growing up. Now, don't get me wrong. I love the fact that I grew up deer hunting and, and that was something that was basically instilled into me as a young, young man. But the fact that now you've taught yourself and I'm sure you had great mentors that you were able to network with, but it's something that you've now brought into your life. And now you're, you're ultimately sharing that with other people. Yeah. But I think you develop qualities and traits when you're growing up. Like we talked about hunting here, you know, deer aren't as plentiful. So you almost essentially had to become obsessed with the process and trying to get good at it. And when my buddies took me in college to duck hunt for the first time, you know, that first time was a good hunt. I was motivated. I had some good guys, good mentors. And then I got my first dog. And, it, you know, that same obsession I had as a child here chasing deer in the mountains kind of converted over to training dogs. And it's like I was obsessed with the process of being better each day with my dog. And, you know, my first dog, he was, his name was Django. So if you hear me reference Django, that's that's him. He was my first dog. And we worked our way from, you know, puppies to from his pup, you know, little puppy in the hallway picking up socks to picking up birds or retrieving his first drake pintail in a swamp i mean you really do get obsessed with the process of seeing these young dogs develop into grown dogs doing the big hunts and you know when you see that dog bring back the first bird those are memories you take with you for a lifetime yeah absolutely so when you got started into waterfowl hunting what um you said you were in college was that here local Uh, So I went to New River Community College in Southwest Virginia. Um, I had some buddies that were from Southampton County, Virginia, and uh, I had started going with them a few times. Also had one or two buddies that are here in the valley. We would do some duck hunting and, you know, I was fortunate because I had some background hunting here in college in the mountains, but I also got to network with them guys from Southampton and got to see a different layout of hunting. So that's how I ended up getting into it. You know, I had some good mentors that really showed me the ropes. Yeah. So growing up here in the valley, deer hunting, I mean, you basically had your your standard camo. You probably had a shotgun, but most likely a bow and a rifle. So when you got into waterfowl hunting, what was like, what did you have to go get to get be set up? So certainly that's evolved over the years. Yeah. Um, everybody wants, you know, the, the hottest new gun or the new toy. But I can remember first going out, I bought a Mossberg pump, you know, and that thing was legit you know it, it was going to shoot no matter what um so you look at gear starting out waterfowl hunting right let's cover the basics like the very basics you know you you probably want to get a set of waders i would list that at the top of your priority list because you are chasing waterfowl so you're going to find the water at some point yeah um, with that being said you look at get the, getting a decent set of waders um I personally recommend neoprene because I think it's a little bit warmer. I know some people like the breathable layer or the breathable waders where they can stack their layers underneath and then a reliable gun at the very base, like at the very minimum. You, if you got a decent gun uh, with some waders, in theory, you can go out and shoot some ducks. I ain't saying you're going to be, you know, thriving, but right. that's a good starting point. Then you look at decoys, you know, I know they got, you know, there's so many different decoys now and it is a pricey game to play. Uh, get you just a little six pack of mallards or some goose floaters to start with you don't have you don't need the big spreads that you see on social media where they these guys got five dozen you know goose full bodies or thousands of snow geese yeah you just need the basics like that you can probably be fairly successful starting out um so like i said short summary good good set of waders a reliable shotgun i would recommend starting with a pump gun and then uh a basic set of decoys and then that leads you into networking with other people. 
Yeah, you'd mentioned that before we started recording here was networking is a big part of success as far as waterfowl hunting. And I could probably say that 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 could apply to just about everything in life as well, though. You know, you want to you want to be good at something. You need to network with somebody that's been good at it and has a proven success record. You know, Robbie Highlander had been on here earlier and he had mentioned networking as well for waterfowl hunting. What would you say is one of the reasons that networking in the waterfowl community makes you more successful? Sure. So there's one example I'm going to talk, talk about on the back end of this, but networking, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways to go about it the right way. And there's a few wrong ways to go about networking, right? You know, talk about deer hunting, right? The season starts long before the season actually starts. Yeah. You want to, you know, it, it, for the deer hunters listening, you know, you get out, you're, you're running cameras, you, you know, you you might be feeding mineral if it's legal in your area, whatever it may be. The same holds true with duck hunting. You know, there's brushing in blinds and, you know, most of my experience is here in the Shenandoah Valley in Southern Virginia. But you talk to them boys on the East Coast, blinds are a big deal. They're putting in new ones, brushing in. They got to take boats to get to a lot of those blinds. So I know they're willing to have, anytime they can have a helping hand in the off season, they're certainly going to take it. And that same holds true for me, you know, you know, when somebody reaches out, hey, can I hunt with you in mid-season? It's kind of hard, you yeah. know, because I've already had some other guys help me out. So if you're a new guy getting into this, really the first thing you want to do is say, how can I help? You know, like this, get little snippets from like a mentor. You run into a mentor you like, you get little snippets from him. But you also ask, how can I help you before the season starts? You know, can I help you brush blinds? Like, you know, whatever I got to do to get some information or like, you know, in terms of like tips or, you know, whatever, that's how you networking, that networking grows. So yeah. you try to do the work in the off season. Don't wait till the season starts because you've seen uh, somebody from your local area. He killed a bunch of birds. Now you want to get into it. And it's it's the third segment. That's probably not the time you want to reach out for help. Reach out for help early. There's a lot of selfless people in the waterfowl community that are going to help you. But reach out earlier than later. Yeah, absolutely. No, that makes sense. And, uh, you know, it sounds like there's probably a lot of work to be done in regards to that. You know, you look at deer hunting and you're like, yeah, there's definitely a lot. If you looked at waterfowl hunting, you're like, well, you just got to show up, right? But no, that makes sense what you're saying. And, uh, you know, we had uh, Chuck and Sean on previously, and they talked about it as well, like different things that you can do for your blind. And, you know, just because you think it's brushed in well, you're not looking at it from hundreds of feet in the air, you know. And so every little bit that you can do to your blind helps, and that adds to, you know, needing helpers basically or or someone you know you just don't necessarily need a helper to go be successful you 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 yourself could go out and do it but if you could take someone to teach them and show them why brushing in a blind a certain way matters that's a nugget that they may not have necessarily have asked for mm-hmm. but they got it anyway it's exactly right and uh, when I talk to these younger guys that are getting into it, it's important for us to teach them how to do it the right way. Bulk of my experience, like I said, is in Virginia, smaller spreads. Sometimes you, you're not getting those big numbers. So I tell these young guys that are getting into it, I said, don't focus on the pile pictures as much as the ex- experience, because that's why we go hunting, right? We want a meaningful experience. And, you know, waterfowl is kind of, of an art. You know, for me, I want to see the, the birds work into the decoy spread. I want to see my dog be steady to shot. I want to see him deliver it to hand. I want to see smiles. I want to make memories. I want to educate. Um, that's how we, we better ourselves as hunters and the perception around hunters. Yeah. 
No, that makes sense. That really does. So you've been hunting now, better part of probably eight to ten years of waterfowl. Yeah, I think it, I think I started in 2013, 2014. So okay, coming up on ten years now, even though it don't feel like it at times. Oh, man, you look back and it's like, where did that time go? Uh, no kidding. And uh, so you've been doing this for a while, and I would say that you're probably very experienced in that. And uh, you know, me and you have talked about possibly getting linked up here in the mm-hmm. in the future. Um, this uh, our schedules have been you know back and forth, and mm-hmm. so we're gonna we're gonna make that happen absolutely, and, and we'll definitely uh, um, get down there and go hunting with you. And mm-hmm. you, uh, I'm sure you saw some of our local geese when you oh, yeah. when you drove in here earlier. And uh, I've been uh, contemplating on you know maybe lowering the number a little bit. Yeah, but. I don't blame you one bit. <laughs> um, I did have my buddy, uh, Kyle Seal. He uh, built me some duck and goose calls. So oh, yeah. I, I think I need to put them to the test. Oh, yeah. He uh, he made one of my duck calls. You know, anytime I can try to support local local guys, I try to. He made me a duck call, and that's still one of my favorite duck calls to this day. Yeah, he's really good at what he does, and uh, I need to get him on here, and maybe, maybe this will be the push to get him on here. No doubt. He's a good dude. Yeah, I really like Kyle. And uh, so you've been duck and goose hunting now for about, you know, 10 years roughly. And uh, what would you say has been probably one of the most memorable or educational hunts that you've been on? It's hard to pick out one when you look at 10 years. I think when you pick out one hunt, it, it's tough. I think for me, it's it's the reactions and the end result. Like I I don't focus, I used to focus on stacking that big pile, you know, now it's more like, it's not an exact hunt, but there's the goal of bringing new hunters in and watching this. I mean, it's when you talk about ducks coming in, right? It's legal shooting light and you can hear them quacking above you and you hear the wings and they just, they're, they're cupped up right in the decoy spread. Or you, you hear that, you know that that new guy gets out on a good goose hunt and he can hear the you know the geese like the wings just flapping above them as they're getting ready to land to me to pick out one hunt it's tough i think it's culminating all those memories into one when i look back you know when when the good lord takes me one day or you know i can, I can look back and i hope people remember me as someone who focused on enhancing the experience as a whole yes you know the sport of taking a bird is important and we try to be ethical with it but for me i want to enhance that experience as much as i can whether it's through educating uh conservation practices or you know having dogs in the field that's what i'm looking at you know to me it, uh, it's hard to pick one hunt there is some that stick out and I, i'll go into one about networking so this is an example of how networking turned out to be a really good memory for me so uh, there's a gentleman named robert winter He's located in Shenandoah County. Uh, he had reached out to me. Same deal. Hey, man, I'm somewhat newer to the area. Can you help, like, with duck hunting, goose hunting, any feedback? I said, you know, I gave him little little snippets that we talked to that I won't <laughs> put out there for the public because yeah. I know where he lives at, and I don't want to burn his spot up. But uh, he, we would talk about, like, little things he could do to find the birds. And a cool thing for, that I took away from this, you know, I had a bunch of geese. Of course, you know, work schedules sometimes they don't work out for waterfowl hunting you got to hunt them while the birds are there and yeah. a couple of my buddies were they were out of commission because they were at work and uh i reached out to robert and he came out and goose hunted with me and we killed a we killed a mess of geese and i we actually killed a snow goose that was it came in with some canadian geese so that was a treat um but i, I want to explain how networking contributed to this so I don't know, another year or two passes and Robert messaged me and said, hey man, I got a spot with some geese. You want to come out and hunt? I said, absolutely. Um, So I go out and 
a little slow, slow in the beginning, a couple small flocks come in, but we end up cutting into a big flock towards the end. And, uh, I had shot a goose far off to the left. I was on the outer half of that blind and another guy there had his dog retrieving, came back, had a band on it. Certainly, you know, that's, and we can get into that too. Um, had a, it was a banded goose. So now every time I see that band on my lanyard, it's a good reminder of the importance of networking, you know, Robert's a selfless guy. He was nice enough to invite me out there. We made some memories that day. So when we talk about hunts, obviously there's little memories like that, and we cherish those memories. So yeah. it's hard to pick one, but that's a good example right there of how networking worked out. And now I got a lifelong memory with Robert. I'll take that with me to my grave. That's perfect. I like that. That's a great story. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, so that's probably not going to be the last robert story no right? there's gonna be i think there's gonna be more robert stories um with me moving it's hard to get up and hunt with him now as much as i did but we still talk on social media he lets me know what he's seeing i let him know what i'm seeing we cut up we joke of course we share a lot of memes like yeah. <laughs> any average grown man <laughs> <laughs> so we share a lot of memes and you know i got a lifelong friend out of that and uh it, the truth could be said because i had to, everyone started somewhere and networking was a big reason why i got into it you know I had some buddies invite me went one time and, got, and then i fell in love with it so we all started somewhere and it's important to network and try to share our information as much as we can and try to teach these guys like this, the up-and-comers hey there's a right way of doing this just like any you know, deer hunts the same way teaching the right way to do things and you teach them the importance of conservation so these animals are always here for us yeah so, so something that i've wanted to do is actually get the girls involved in in waterfowl hunting but it's uh you know is that really a sub gauge activity or is this something that you know you definitely need a 20 gauge or a 12 gauge to go do i would recommend at least using a 20 gauge um you know you look at you know if you're goose hunting goose is a big bird um 20 gauge you know you need them to be a little bit closer okay um and then the 12 gauge i think you know like i said i got some guys that, that i talk with they're real big on the 20 gauge and rightfully so they are good shots and they they know what loads to use I use a 12 gauge, but with the smaller gauge, you kind of watch because you really, with a goose, they're tough. I mean, I've, yeah. I've shot them before and watched them sail into the next farm, what felt like a half mile away, and that's where they finally died. But they are tough birds, and you really need probably at least a 20 gauge to knock them down. Okay. Now, there might be some 28 gauge enthusiasts out there that might beg to differ, and, you know, they could probably do that. But I think getting into it, if you can get some, you know, the, the youngins on like a 20 gauge, I think we could probably knock down a few geese. Okay because uh, as far as like the upland birds go I, I definitely do a lot of sub gauge you know 410 28 gauge and uh but we're talking birds that are you know half the size a quarter of the size mm -hmm. and so and you could probably knock down some ducks with those smaller gauges um but i guess if you're in a place where you might be killing a mixed bag of geese and ducks i'd recommend at least having a 20 gauge on okay. hand fair enough yeah the girls they they've gone turkey hunting with me in the past and they've each killed two turkeys wow one last season one the season before and they shoot a little 410 semi-automatic and uh i was wondering if that would actually work out for them but it sounds like we should wait till they get a little bit older mm -hmm. if we can get them on 20 gauge i think we can probably knock down a few birds and like you said there might be some people listening hey give them a 28 gauge they might be able to kill, kill a duck or two and it's possible to kill a goose but i think we're trying to stack the odds in their favor maybe at least a 20 gauge yeah and we definitely don't want to teach them like you said you know you want to teach people the right way mm -hmm. and so you know they're young and very impressionable and so we don't want to necessarily get them started with bad habits that's and, right and that's so, right 
if that means they got to wait a little bit longer, then that's that's what that means. That's so, right. Nothing wrong with that. So, so well. So let's talk. Now that we've talked gauges, let's mm-hmm. talk different uh, ammo sizes. And, uh, you know, everything waterfowl related has to be still shot. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. And, you know, I know there's some different different brands out there. Some are cost more than others. Uh, I know there's some tungsten loads that people are really seeking out now. Um, but for me, I, I still try to use, <laughs> I try to get more. So sometimes I'll use the cheaper loads, which some people might advise against but for me you know when it comes to geese i prefer to shoot a three and a half inch b double bb but certainly you can go out and get you know three you can shoot three inches too for me my preferred goose load is going to be a three and a half bb i think it reaches out there pretty well i I haven't had too much of an issue with crippled birds knock on wood yeah and then when you talk about a duck load i recommend a three inch four shot certainly you can kill them with different loads but I think a three-inch four shot's pretty good because it hits your puddle ducks, you know, fairly well. You also got some of those smaller birds that come in. Uh, you know, wood ducks come in really fast. I think it's got enough spread to where you're going to knock down a wood duck as well. I think a three-inch four shot's a good do-it-all load for ducks. And then if you're getting somewhere in a mixed bag where you might think some there's some duck puddle ducks coming in, some mallards and some geese, I'd recommend a, a three-inch two shot. I think, I think you can get, get it done both ends there. Okay. Now, what's a puddle duck? Puddle ducks, uh, and I'm probably going to leave a few out. When I when I hear puddle ducks and talk about puddle ducks, uh, what sticks out to me is mallards, obviously gadwalls, you know, widgeon, uh, pintails. I think they, I think they're all classified as puddle ducks, where you know they're essentially going to land on a pond. They feed. They're better table fare, uh, and then you got a whole nother realm with the sea ducks and the different ones out there. I know they're kind of considered diver ducks, you know, and, okay. like and. You got mergangers as well. I don't know if people classify those as a diver duck or not. Um, but when I picture puddle ducks, that's you know the the mallards, the wood ducks, the pintails, the gadwalls, stuff like that. Okay, and the the mallards are your pretty much you're pretty common for this area, right? Puddle duck, correct. Yeah. And somebody might fact check me on that too, and that's fine if I miss some or if one of those isn't a puddle duck. But you're going to find your most common puddle duck to be a mallard, especially here in Virginia, and wood ducks. I think you can classify a wood duck as a puddle duck, I believe, too. Okay. Fair enough. So you'd recommend a steel shot. A, you said three and a half, double B. Is it double B or double BB? I call it BBs. Okay. Uh, so, yep. And then... uh then you uh three inch four shot for ducks or a three inch yep. two shot for duck or goose yep you can get into that so now that we've got the shot so we've got the gauge mm-hmm. well let's back up we've got our equipment mm-hmm. we've got our gauge we've got our our ammo let's talk dogs talk right? dogs well, I could talk all day about dogs. So, and and we're going to touch on this briefly because we're going to lead into next week's episode because you're very knowledgeable in this area. But, um, like a retriever, right? It, it, and excuse my ignorance on this. There's all kinds of retrievers, right? There is. Okay. There is. So you got the Chesapeake Bay Retriever. You got Labrador Retrievers. You got flat coat retrievers, golden retrievers, and everybody's got a preference on what they look look for and what they like and what i tell people when they get into dogs as a new buyer right you you know just because you're buying a retriever breed doesn't necessarily mean that puppy's going to be a great retriever you really got to look at those parents um and you know 
asked to see the the sire or the dam the sire is the the father or the the male and the dam is the female asked to see them they got videos of them working do they have they run hunt tests do they run field trials what i mean when people tell you and breeders will tell you hey it's bred in interlines for generations all right show me that what's the pedigree do they have good health clearances uh you know you look at the hips the elbows it's that's a that's something we can talk a long time on um but you know when you start looking at retrievers just because you're buying a retriever breed doesn't mean that particular pup has the bloodline now, i ain't saying you can't turn into it but like i said you want to do your homework ask to see them parents ask to see the health clearances get to know those parents as well you're gonna get to know as your puppy like i can tell you just as much about my pup's sires as i can my actual pup so okay. do the homework absolutely so that's where we're going to leave this episode and we're going to have you back mm-hmm. and we're going to talk more about your dog training and uh, the different aspects and things that you look for when basically training dogs mm-hmm. and purchasing dogs. Really appreciate you being on this week. Thanks and for having me. I, absolutely, man. We've uh, I've had a good time. Looking forward to having you back next week. We'll talk about dogs. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Sounds good. Thank you. Yes, sir. And to all of our listeners, we really want to just say thanks again. Uh, it's been been great here this uh this season of hunting day and uh your love and support's been phenomenal and we just want to say keep hunting and keep doing what god calls you to do thank you for listening to hunting day with stephen robbins don't forget to like comment subscribe if you'd like to follow you can find stephen on instagram at stephen hunt day and facebook at stephen robbins hd if you'd like to reach stephen you can email him at stephen.huntingday at gmail.com